Pitchers and catchers are set to report on Tuesday, but MLB's lockout drags on. We'll discuss that and also debate the top 10 first baseman and third baseman in MLB right now, coming up here on Total Bases. Alright, welcome to Total Bases here on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. I am Mark Marino, here with Greg Marino and Dom Pastrito, and today is Friday, February 11th. So, as I mentioned, um, Tuesday, just four days from today, the 15th, would be Pitchers and Catchers reporting. However, it doesn't seem very likely that's going to be happening with this lockout not seeming to be nearing an end. Yeah, um, yeah, so as usual, you know, the lockout just kind of dragging on, not really any news. Apparently, Robert Manford said oh. that he expects spring training to start as normal, but, you know, that that would require him to, you know, get all this stuff settled within four days, which isn't going to happen. Yeah, for it to be so. completely normal, the pitchers and catchers have to report at the normal time, which isn't going to happen. So if he, so yesterday he said that, you know, he expects everything to be normal. Well, if you expect everything to be normal, how about, like, acting on it, you know? No, wait, so he said that yesterday, that yes. he thinks yeah. they're going to get this together in the next four days. I'm just doubtful that that's going to happen at this point i think there's pretty much no chance that they pull this all together in four days yeah i mean robert manford just keeps on you know saying oh everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay and everything continues to not be okay and he's not really doing anything about it yeah i i don't see any progress being made since i feel like if you look at the stats of like the last six years in terms of like payroll and stuff the players really have been getting hurt you know the the average salary has gone down. Things haven't really been going well for the players. So the owners seem to be trying to offer a lot of positives to the players in this new CBA. And the players just kind of seem to be insisting on certain things. In my opinion, what this is more the players' fault than the owners and Manfred's. This is, this is where I kind of disagree with you. I think it's more the owners and Manfred's fault. Because they're... I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. They're really pushing for more money for themselves. They don't actually care that much about the entertainment of the sport. They're pushing things like 14-team playoffs, which is just which all it does is get them more money. It's terrible for the entertainment purpose of the sport. And also they're refusing. I mean, they're not refusing. They're open to paying players more in their prime, but not as much as the players' union wants them to. So basically, one of the main things with this disagreement is the player is players that get brought up and play in their prime on the team they get brought up with. Usually when you get brought up, it's seven years on the team you're with, right? <laughs> so you know, those seven years, they're not really getting paid that much, but that's when they're in their prime. So player, the players' union wants those players, when they're in their prime, to be getting paid more, which I think is a perfectly legitimate complaint. I yeah. think that's a really... I think that should definitely be addressed. And I, the other ridiculous thing is after their prime, when they're you know a little older and not in their prime, they get signed for huge contracts. And we're seeing teams not do that as much now because they realize that it really hasn't worked out. So I think those should basically be switched. Players should be getting way more money in their prime, not as much afterwards when they go to a new team or whatever. And I think that's definitely a legitimate thing that should be addressed. And I think the players' union is perfectly yeah, right. It that. does seem kind of odd that, like, the great players in the game, you know, someone like Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, Ronald Aquino Jr., these young stars who are having MVP sort of seasons every year are getting paid very little. Well, I mean, and then there's these, like... Tatis, you assigned a huge extension. Oh, yeah, but yeah most of them are, yeah. Extension, but most well, yeah, now, them, yeah. now we're seeing some of these really, really good players sign these big extensions. Yeah. And but still, a lot of them, like yeah. Soto and Aquino, are yeah. not. But then, yeah. and then also, that's only if the teams want to secure them for, like, a decade but the teams if they want can just take them for six years on the cheap but then these 
kind of washed up old men in their like late 30s are still getting paid these massive contracts. Or even, yeah, even like early 30s once they hit arbitration, which is when, you know, it's time for them to get a pay raise or go to yeah. another team, basically. Once they hit arbitration, they've been really good players, but they're kind of coming out of their prime. Yeah, you know, arbitration starts after... Arbitration is like years um, f- four to six. They're kind of like... Yeah, like it's it's not after your prime. Arbitration is definitely in your prime. Free agency often kind of comes after your prime. Yeah, I I feel like it's just the way it is now. It doesn't appear that very many players are getting paid what they're worth. Pretty much everyone's either getting exploited by arbitration and the six years at the start of their career thing, or they're just exploiting the owners with massive free agency deals. So yeah, and I think. Um, I really think this this is one of the main things that's being discussed for the lockout, and the owners don't want to pay as much as the players are asking for. I'm really completely with the players on this. I mean, I think just, yeah, pay them more in their prime, and they sh- shouldn't sign as huge contracts when they're yeah. free agents. But yeah, the problem, the problem with that is that it's going to make it even harder for the smaller market teams to compete since they're gonna have to pay more money now yeah, to I their agree, I agree with stars. that because if you look at a team like the A's, the, the Athletics, they're this year i mean they haven't actually traded any of their players but there's a lot of speculation before the lockout they were planning on just kind of unloading everyone because all their players were reaching arbitration they couldn't afford to pay them yeah so they're just all right we got to trade all these guys for prospects well yeah. now they're not even going to be able to afford those guys you know when they are within their six years so that is a concern as well yeah if the young players become more expensive then that's how you see like teams small like market raise. teams would exploit the system and have good seasons. They get really good players really cheap. If that's no longer possible, then I don't really see small market teams being that good in the future. Yeah, that's true. And there also is the revenue question of basically, you know, richer teams basically giving their money to poorer teams. Yeah. Which and is kind of how that works. But uh Mark, you did mention beforehand that the players' unions were arguing for you know, smaller revenue, which obviously doesn't make any sense. If you Small want revenue sharing? Yeah. Yeah, I think that the players' union is kind of approaching this the wrong way. I don't think the problem is that there's revenue sharing. The problem is that the poorer teams who are getting revenue sharing are not using it to buy players. Like, the Pirates get tons of revenue sharing money every year, and yet, obviously, they're not using it on their on-the-field product. They're just pocketing it. Yeah, there also has been a lot of talk about incentivizing people to bring up their prospects and start paying them early. And I yeah. think I think that's really... I think all these things that are being brought up are good things. I think players should get brought up when they're ready, get paid. You know, small market teams should be using the yeah. money they're getting from the revenue to, you know, get yeah. players and stuff. So I, I think that... I think the owners are being a little stubborn in there, and I also think I really don't like these playoff propositions that they yeah. Yeah. It, really the just the stupid thing is that they've had the last like three months to discuss this and haven't gotten anywhere so I mean, they're yeah, gonna this, do the whole thing in the next like, three days it's not like any all the stuff we just discussed is anything new this has been you know the disagreement for the lockout for the last three months so why don't you just come to an agreement you know yeah i think the thing is the players are probably going to get a favorable cba compared to the last one the thing is they seem to be insisting on getting absolutely everything they want and i presume that they're I guess the owners are getting the big expanded playoffs, like potentially 14 which are, teams, but it's going to be at least 12 teams. That's in theory beneficial to the owners. However, it's it, I feel like it's going to happen one way or the other. I think that 12 versus 14 teams, I don't have a huge opinion on whether it's 12 or 14. I just hope that it's kind of in a format that, you know, keeps the regular season meaningful and just... I mean, I think it's pretty... I don't really... I really don't like the idea of having almost half the league in the playoffs. That just doesn't make any mm-hmm. sense to me. 
I mean, I really don't like. Yeah, this I, then the playoffs just become a joke if any half decent team can get in. Well, Should be yeah. in a I think we've, to get in the we've discussed previously the format for the fourteen team playoffs. I'm not quite sure what a twelve team playoff would look like, but the fourteen team playoffs. I don't think it's that horrible of a format since it gives the number one seed an advantage, so you push for that one seed. But this is more like like college basketball, you know, like all right, half the teams get in, and like you fill out your you know huge brackets of millions of teams. Like this is ridiculous. You, you I think the ten team format that MLB has had is really good, and I think you should just stick with it. And again, I think that all this stuff we were talking about before with the arbitration stuff, that really isn't something that the fans care about because it doesn't have anything to do with the entertainment purposes of the game. Yeah. But it is something that's important from a business perspective. But really what the owners are pushing for is, you know, with the inter- uh, in regard to entertainment purposes is they don't even care about the entertainment purposes of the playoffs. I think the 10-team playoffs is really good for entertainment for the fans. But he, they're just going to make it a 14-team playoff because they want to sell more, you know, merchandise. They want more people to watch TV. They want more people to go Basically, to games. more playoff games means more fans watching playoff games. Which means more money. Yeah, yeah. And more fans going to games. I, I feel like a good idea would just be to have the one-game playoffs become a three-game series. That would give the better wildcard team, so, like, the Dodgers an advantage. And look, look at this past year, the Dodgers one-game playoff against the Cardinals. In my opinion, one game for, to potentially end the Dodgers' season is a bit unfair, considering how great they were. They should have been given a three-game series where they can roll out all their great pitching and presumably just so take care of business. So you're saying the wild-card game should be a three-game series? Yeah, in my opinion, that is. I would prefer that to any other changes. Yeah. But I do think that the 14 teams I've seen suggested is not terrible since the number one seed gets the first round by. So there is incentive to push for that one seed. And there is some incentive to try to be higher since then you get to you know, pick your the lower team you're facing. And you don't want to be the seven seed since then um, the two seed which picks first will probably pick you. Yeah. You want to kind of be good. Maybe not necessarily finish higher, but you want to be scary so that that number two team that maybe has like, you know, a, a number of aces. Yeah. Yeah, just just to clarify, one, yeah. what we mean by picking is like the number two seed would literally get to pick their first from the opponent. five through seven yeah. seeds, which, and then the three seed picks, which, and the four seeds left I, with whatever. I'm picks. not sure how I feel about that. It's kind of an interesting concept. It you is. know, usually it's just like two yeah. seed faces seven seed, mm-hmm. three and six in four and five. Like here, it's like two seed gets to choose. I think it's actually kind of fun and could yeah. create some rivalries as, you know, teams are, like, disrespecting each other. You know, if you're the five seed yeah. and the two seed picks you, you know, you might want to win that a bit more now. Yeah, you might take that as, you know, you, you might take that as them insulting you almost. Yeah, and that's so, what it would be. Yeah, that would be interesting. But, I mean, I know you guys both agree with me that, like, I would still way rather see just ten teams. I mean, yeah. I think that's just a really good way to do it. And fewer teams, that's, that's one-third of the of the league as opposed to yeah i think that there's other ways to fix the fact that so many teams just aren't trying to win aren't competing and are just being terrible for a while i I think there's better ways to fix that because if you have 14 teams then like these teams that are trying to be terrible they won't it's not like they're going to try to be good they're just going to try to be mediocre to make it in we saw a lot of that in 2020 which i really didn't like so well 2020 the offseason happened and then there was a shorter season so it isn't like the teams played the offseason with the um like the unusual 16-team playoffs in mind. But I remember that year, the Padres made a ton of moves at the trade deadline, even though it looked like they were cruising into the playoffs. So, I mean, I think it's always going to be teams that are going to be willing to go all out. Yeah, yeah, no, Like, for the sure. Dodgers are always willing to go all out. It's like, they're all, there's always going to be some owners who are more interested in winning than making money. Yeah. And that is great for the game. I think that, it is, I it think is, that yeah. in, for most teams, the way to make money and to make a profit 
is typically not to spend a lot of money on players. That's kind of what I've you know been reading. That's just kind of always what I've kind of thought. Yeah. Especially with like the revenue sharing. If you, if your revenue is low, then you get revenue sharing money anyway. Yeah. So the, mm-hmm. all this stuff's being discussed. I don't know why they haven't done this, like talked about this at all for the last three months. But that's I mean they have, but they haven't really gotten yeah. anywhere. <laughs> yeah. I, that's basically I, the status uh, of this lockdown. Yeah. I'm just so. like picturing Rob Bidford and a bunch of players in a closet screaming at each other for three months and they're like okay season's actually gonna start in four days time to come to an agreement but you know will they seeing as what they've done in the last three months like will we really see i really training? don't think we will, will rob edford saying that spring training's gonna happen as schedule i don't think it's gonna happen yeah i mean also we're gonna see shortened spring training maybe and then players like they did in 2020 complaining all year that they didn't get enough spring training which i thought was ridiculous in 2020 that was ridiculous it's the same for everyone you and you got like a week less than normal to practice like seriously yeah stop complaining and just play the game so yeah but that's basically the status of the lockout um and i mean i really hope they come to an agreement but unfortunately it doesn't really look like they're anywhere close to coming to anything yeah so the next thing we're going to talk about today is as i mentioned I made some rankings of top 10 first baseman and third baseman for the 2021 season. So you guys can kind of you know, say what you like and don't like about these. We just kind of debate them. Yeah, so you got in the top three, Freeman, Guerrero, Jr., and Olsen. Yes, it's first base. Yeah, for mm-hmm. first base. For first base. I think I mostly agree with that. I think, yeah, Olsen's really stepped up recently. I mean, I think he's really just been a really good player. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about him getting possibly traded, maybe to the Yankees or someone, but I think... I think he's a really good player. I think I, pr- I probably agree with this. Uh, yeah, I would say that Freeman's definitely number one. Um, Guerrero number two. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd say those top three I agree with. And you got Muncy at number four, who yeah. did have a really good uh, season last year. Unfortunately, yeah. he got injured for the playoffs. Which I don't really know. Hurt the Dodgers. I, I'd have to put Vlad Jr. over Freeman. I think he, he had a bit of a better year last year. You know, like significantly more power. I feel like Freeman only hit. Uh, 31 homers last year, which seems like a lot, but compared to 48 for Vlad Jr. Also, Vlad Jr. is a younger player. I I'd put him one over he Freeman. Is up and coming, yeah. I I could I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think he kind of outperformed Freeman in every category last year, in addition to being younger. So. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously assuming like based on you know what you think, how you think they're going to perform going into next year. Yeah. So just for 2021, I feel like Freeman, he's not old enough that he'll have another good year in him. Even if he starts to decline in Broadway, it won't be that drastic. And Vlad Jr., I do believe in him. It's not like I think that last year was a fluke. I definitely don't. But it's just Freeman's been so consistent over such a long period of time. You kind of know what you're getting with him. And what you're getting with him is really good. Vlad Jr. is a great player, but he might not be as great as he was last year. And if you look at last year, remember, he was dominant at the start of the year. And then he did kind of fall off a bit. Yeah. Uh, he finished the year 311 average, 4 1 on base percentage. That's a lot lower than what he was at. Yeah, that's true. He in did. Like June. He did fall off. And I think yeah. I agree with Muncy at number four. I don't know that I like Peter Alonso at number five. He he really did not have a great year last year. I mean, he had a really good rookie year, but other than that, I mean, we haven't really seen much from him. I mean, last year, the power numbers were still there. And he overall produced at a decent rate 260, 344 on base percentage, 37 homers. So I think, like, He's pretty good. Five I is think I high. Might, I think I might put Goldschmidt over him. I think Goldschmidt's just really... I mean, especially if you're talking about defense. 
because Goldschmidt's really good defensively as well. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. I think Goldschmidt has had really consistent batting averages throughout his career near 300, which and is pretty hard he's kind of proven that he isn't just Arizona. Yeah, and last year yeah, he had a good a, year. Uh-huh. Goldschmidt, he, last year was his best year out of the last three. So, you know, I feel like he's probably at a point in his career where I wouldn't expect another year like last year. When he probably needs to produce at that level to, you know, stay in the top five. I think it's a bit of a drop-off after this top four. And then, for me, Alonso just, you know, a bit more upside than Goldschmidt is kind of why I had him ahead. So, at number seven, I have Frank Schwindel. He's a, a guy in the Cubs who, kind of under the radar since they were out of contention, but he came in and had a really dominant second half and I mean, just yeah. put up huge numbers. And to be completely honest, I have no idea who that guy is. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that you're putting him above Jose Abreu, you know, Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. However, if Bell. you look at the numbers, he did have, um, he hit 326. How, and, many, how many games? Um, it was 64 games, and he had 14 homers. His OPS was 962, so the numbers were really, really good. They were better than, say, what you would expect out of Alonso and Goldschmidt. However, I haven't below them since it was a small sample size. Yeah, I don't fully I would say that's it. a really small sample size. He could be, I mean, he has a lot of potential, but I really, I wouldn't put him above Jose Abreu. Yeah, and Abreu is one year out of an MVP season. But it was just a 60-game yeah. MVP season. Aside from that, Abreu kind of is just a good player, but not a great player. He, he That was his only year of his career where he's kind of been close to an MVP-type player. I, I feel like he was a bit better earlier in his career, but Abreu's a bit old. Yeah, and then probably... He played for a while in Cuba before know. coming over. I think la- I, I would count on him to get his batting average back up, though. So last year he only hit 260, but he's been a career more like 300-level hitter. So I yeah, I, I have to put Abreu at least above of Scrudel. And then, uh, but I, I could see him being eighth after that because after that, it's just Brandon Belt and Joey Votto. Yeah, Joey who both Votto, had really good years last Joey year. Joey Votto did have a really good year. Uh, I don't know. I might, I might put Votto above him. I don't know. Probably you would I think Votto and Belt are both old though, so probably, they had really good you years. You probably would not have put Belt on the list if he didn't have a season he had last well, year. Well, definitely not. Well, no, I mean, he just uh, yeah. totally there aren't really out. any sure things after Abreu. Yeah, I think that's why with he's that. at eight. After that, it's the you know, Belt, Votto, Jared Walsh. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see Jared Walsh on this list, honestly. Yeah, he did like, have kind of a, a second-half slide. That's true, uh, but... I'd say he's really just sort of like a solid player, but I don't really think of him as that good of a player, which might be good enough to get into a top-ten list of, of just one position. But, like... Yeah. Also, Luke Voigt. Yeah. Well, Luke Voigt really kind of didn't have... Yeah, did not did. perform very uh, well at all last year. I don't year. think you can put Voigt on this list, but, like, you could have... I would, like, maybe predict that he, he'll he be on this list next year. Yeah, all right. So, moving on to third base. This is a really interesting position. Yeah, it's very got, strong. You've got Jose Ramirez at number one, which is interesting seeing as he had kind of a down year last year. Uh, Devers, number yeah, two. It was still a, a good year, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, it was only really a down year by his standards. Yeah, the like average the top three MVP and on base to some extent weren't great, but he did hit 36 homers. Also, had 27 stolen bases against only four yeah. caught stealing. So, yeah, you really love uh-huh. that about He's Jose Ramirez. He really steals those bases and doesn't get caught a whole lot, at least last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you got Devers, Machado, and Rendon. I think, um, I think I would agree with that. Riley at num- Austin Riley at number five. I like that. Uh, kind of broke onto the stage last year. Had a really good year. Kind yeah, of all year round. A lot of power, good in the playoffs. I think I I agree with Austin Yeah, and he hit 33 homers with a 303 batting average. Right? Mm-hmm. So anytime you are over 30 homers and over 300 in batting average, that's kind of a threshold for an elite player. And yeah, he was, Riley met yeah, that. I feel yeah. like he's emerging as an elite player. He's not 
at the level of Ramirez, Devers, Machado, and Rendon yet, who are my top yeah, four. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, but yeah. you have him over Aaron Otto, which is a little controversial. I, Aaron Otto did it, leave Colorado and had some regression. Yeah, remember, 2020 I, I was not great for him either. No, I agree with Riley I mean, over only Aaron Otto. A, I only think that's a, just controversial, though. He had an 806, the Aaron Otto that is, had an 806 OPS. That's like just a little above average so yeah look at his you know his average on me search 255 312 that is not yeah. very good i think that you know his colorado splits always revealed he'd hit for power on the road but wouldn't have as good of an average so maybe he just kind of is more of like a 260 mm-hmm. i mean you gotta you gotta take his, than his a defense you gotta take his defense into account too so he is a very good defender as well so i i, I think yeah i, like I just that. i just think there's a probably a pretty big offensive gap between him and riley no, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I think he's yeah, number yeah. six. And I'd got say Chris it kind of seems to fall off a little bit. Brian's still pretty good, but like he's not really an elite player. In my he's not. Uh-huh. He's not the MVP everyone yeah. thought he would be. I, yeah. He really isn't. Justin I mean, Turner at number eight after Bryant. He's one of those guys who he's, he's just, just still, keeps out pumping out going. good years. Yeah, I would like, like to see him yeah. ranked above Bryant for sure. I, I mean, don't know. I think you got to put Bryant ahead. Bryant's got a lot more Honestly, upside I think than Bryant, Turner at this like, stage Chris of his Bryant career. Chris Bryant is probably one of the most overrated players in baseball. I think he's overrated, but like number eight is kind of a pretty low level even for him. I, I would put Justin Turner over him. I don't think it's a huge deal. I don't know. And then to finish it out, you got J.D. Davis and Johan Moncada. Um, Johan Moncada really struggled at the beginning of last year and never really got it together. Like the yeah. power numbers were just not there. Like he's hit only 14 homers. I think the previous year you hit like that many in just sixty games, almost. So that was yeah. really disappointing. But he is a young player, so I don't be surprised if he bounces back. Yeah, and then JD Davis yeah. has shown some really good numbers lately. So I think I, I agree with him there yeah. at number nine. I think he, like you know could have seen maybe someone like Matt Chapman on the list. Though he and really Matt didn't Chapman get really on base just, last year. I mean, Matt Chapman really is kind of overrated. Like, yeah, really overrated, honestly. Yeah, obviously he's got the great defensive metrics, but as you and guys then, know, I don't fool. I mean, you don't, you don't have Alex Bregman on the list either, which is kind yeah, of yeah, no Bregman. I definitely agree with that. He doesn't <laughs> cheat. He does. He's not really good. Yeah, I, I actually would thought Ty France that. could make the list if he kind of was a third baseman. He had a pretty good year I mean, last year. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, but, but also he, he's not necessarily a third baseman. But yeah, no Alex Bregman. That the fact that you know, I find a little surprise. Guys with JD Davis, Alex, like you, Ty France, and not even Alex Bregman. I'd have to put Alex Bregman on the list. I think uh, he should be I low, would. but I I think like there's still more potential there than there is in like JD. I, Davis. I don't think there's any more potential unless he starts cheating again. I mean, uh, that seems to be the only. I mean, you know. <laughs> If he's only going to be good if he's cheating, you know, I still kind of like the chances of him being good, really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah. you know, especially if he doesn't get yeah. punished for it. All right, that's going to wrap up for this week on Total Bases as we're out of time. But we'll be back again next week with more baseball talk here in Total Bases on Media Feed. He'll still have 101.7 FM.